Our uh, first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from uh, the book of James, short passage, uh, James chapter 4, verses 8 through 10. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. And friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tom Long was my uh, preaching professor at Princeton Seminary, and he uh, told the story of the time when he was a pastor in a Presbyterian church. And he was uh, working in his study at the church on the Sunday sermon when there was a knock at his office door. And he opened the door and standing before him was a woman in the church who was one of the more active members of the church. And she asked, Pastor, do you have a minute? And so he moved some uh, papers off of the chair uh, that was in his office next to his desk where he worked. And he invited her to come in and sit down. And she said to him, you know, I know I really shouldn't feel this way, but I just don't think that God can ever forgive me. Well, he was kind of caught off guard by her comment. And so he uh, asked her to clarify her comment and, and what she meant. And the woman said, well, she wasn't really sure, only that she had this overwhelming sense of unworthiness before God. Well, as you might imagine, that just-a-minute visit turned into an hour and a half. And at one point, he asked the woman, well, what have you done that makes you think that God can't forgive you? And he knew the woman to be a devoted wife, a model citizen, and a faithful member of the church. And she said that she had no uh, shameful secrets or any kind of hidden addictions. She said, I just feel guilty. And so Tom Long was a young pastor. He didn't know what to do except to resort to those classic uh, spiritual sound bites. God loves you. Jesus died for you. And the woman said, oh, I know God loves me. I know Jesus died for me. I know all that stuff. It's just that I still feel judged by God. And Tom Long said that he almost wished that the woman had really done something awful for which she actually could be forgiven. But instead, she, she left the office that day with this unnamed, nagging feeling of not good enoughness before God. Well, the book of Hebrews was written for women, uh, for, a, for, a, for people just like that woman. Um, the Christians in the book of Hebrews knew a lot of things. They knew lots of stuff about grace and love and forgiveness. They knew it in their heads, but they didn't feel it in their hearts. They actually missed the Christian faith by about 18 inches, the distance from our heads to our hearts. They did not feel that Jesus really loved them. They did not believe that God had forgiven them, really, for the mistakes or the sins of their lives. They did not feel God's concern for their day-to-day -day life of struggles and trials and troubles. And so the author of Hebrews puts together a letter and he kind of sends it off as this huge care package of pastoral encouragement for these people. Now, these words are, may seem kind of outdated to us because we don't, we don't do this kind of stuff today. But the book of Hebrews goes into great detail about the ancient Jewish penitential system of sacrifices. And, and Hebrews discusses how the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies once a year 
on behalf of the people. Now, the reality is that whole clunky system was really just a stopgap measure. And the reason why we can say that is now a cosmic savior has soared through the heavens and has become our great new high priest. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that Jesus Christ is the one who enters into the heavenly tabernacle. He's the one who sprinkles his own blood, makes a perfect sacrifice, and washes away every sin and stain and blemish from our lives before God. Why? So that we can have an extreme makeover of our lives before him. Remember when I was a young boy and it was time for dinner, I would make this a mad dash to the kitchen table. But before I would even get there, my father would yell, don't forget to wash up. And so I went in the bathroom and I washed my hands, trying to make them clean. But even after coming to the table, my father would still inspect them. Let me see. Let me see your palms. Let me see the backs. Make sure that they were really clean. Well, the writer of Hebrews shares that God has made our hearts clean. White as the snow that is outside our building today. This morning, as I'm continuing my sermon series uh, called Extreme Makeover, as we're looking at the different rooms of our homes, we're looking at the bathroom of our spiritual homes. Now, I'm not going to scare you off with any jokes, I promise. But I do want to share with you something that was not considered funny on television several years ago. It was back on February 10th, 1960, that the late night talk show host, Jack Parr, who actually preceded Johnny Carson, he walked off the uh, NBC Tonight Show after NBC censored a four-minute bathroom skit that they considered too raunchy for its day. Now, the skit was uh, based on a misinterpretation of the initials WC, which stood for water closet. In fact, you couldn't even say bathroom back on TV in 1960. And a Swiss schoolmaster who thought WC stood for Wayside Chapel. Well, the NBC censors thought the, the jokes were, were crude and, and the double entendres inappropriate. And so they cut that skit from the broadcast. Well, this morning, we have not come to talk about a WC. We've come to talk about JC, Jesus Christ, as we wash our hands and our minds and our hearts before him. I'd like to think that Jesus is saying two words to you and me this morning. Two words that sort of serve as a, a personal invitation. Jesus is saying to you and me, draw near. You heard me read earlier from James chapter 4, verse 18. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. I'd like for us to take a look at another kind of draw near passage. It's from the book of Hebrews, of which I've been sharing a little bit, from chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. The words are in your bulletin, also on the screen. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. We don't know who wrote the, the book of Hebrews, so I will simply say the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us approach, you can substitute those two words, draw near, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, 
for he who has promised is faithful. Let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we uh, pray that in these moments that we have together, that your word would uh, leap off the page and into our lives, into our hearts, to wash us clean, to make us whole, to bring us the light and life and love of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Well, the, uh, the readers the hearers of this letter uh, probably would have thought that drawing near to God was something that only a priest could do in the tabernacle. Now, let me just explain for just a minute, go down a side road and explain to you how the ritual went. First, uh, the priest would enter into this outer court where he would offer a blood sacrifice on the altar. Then, using water from a basin, he would wash his hands, wash his face, wash himself, and then pass through the veil into the holy place where no natural light would come through it. Only a, a golden candlestick would cast any kind of glow. In that spot was also the uh, sacred showbread, representing the, the manna in the wilderness that God provided for the people of Israel. And then there was also an altar of incense with its fire of unceasing prayer. And yet, then still beyond all this was the final veil into the Holy of Holies. And, and in there, above the mercy seat, in the empty space between the two wings of the cherubim, was enthroned the glorious and majestic presence of the Most High God. And so, as I said earlier, once a year, the priest would enter into the, this Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of the people. Now, what the writer of Hebrews is saying, to kind of cut through all that, is... Folks, those, those days are over. You don't have to do that anymore. Now, why does he say that? Because at the moment that Jesus died on the cross, it says that the final veil into the Holy of Holies was torn into. God literally ripped that curtain from top to bottom. And so what we see today is, in essence, Jesus standing before us, and he's got his arms out and saying, well, what are you waiting for? Come on in. And so, friends, this morning, you and I are invited into a relationship with God that goes beyond the veil. Jesus Christ offers to us an invitation to intimacy with God. Now, what's interesting to me is that the, the Latin word for priest, which is the word pontifex, means bridge. And as you heard me read earlier, verse 21 says that Jesus is our great high priest. He's our high bridge who spans the chasm between God and us. If any of you know anything about road construction, you know that the wider the chasm, the more elaborate, complex, and costly the construction is of the bridge. Now, one of the more remarkable uh, bridges in this country, and you'll be able to see this on the screen in just a moment, is San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. It was built in 1937 at a cost of $27 million. Now, some people call this 8,981-foot bridge the most spectacular bridge in the world. 
And the reason why they say that is because the odds were heavily stacked against building a bridge that could withstand brutal winds, ferocious tides, and all that fog. Besides that, the Golden Gate Bridge was going to be located only eight miles from the epicenter of what was at the time the most catastrophic earthquake in history. And as you can see, they built the bridge anyway. And, and they built the bridge using these materials. Two main cables weighing 11,000 tons apiece. The length of the steel wires used in the cables of the bridge is enough to circle the earth three times. There are 600,000 rivets in each tower of the bridge. The amount of concrete used on the bridge would be enough to build two 10-foot-wide sidewalks that would span from here to my son and daughter-in-law down in Charlotte, North Carolina. You see, the wider the chasm, the greater complexity and resources needed to build the bridge. Well, friends, Jesus Christ is our sturdy bridge over the chasms of life. And as the book of Hebrews says, he is our high priest. A lot of us know John 3.16. I grew up on that verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that verse. You grew up on that verse. You know that verse. But how many of you know John 3.17? How many of you have that in your mind? that you can recite from memory. John 3.17 arguably is just as important as John 3.16 because John 3.17 says, God sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Well, not only should we draw near, but this book of Hebrews tells us that we can cross that bridge with confidence. I want you to hear once again that passage from Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near to God with a true heart in full assurance of faith. It is said that in ancient Israel, you, you could always tell the difference between a, between a scribe and a prophet. A scribe sat outside the temple and sketched diagrams of what he imagined the Holy of Holies might look like. But a prophet would just barge right in, go through the veil, and then stare at the flame. I think that's what God is saying to you and me this morning. Not that we shouldn't have a humble faith, but God is saying, uh, bar barge right in. What are you waiting for? Live in the light of my love. And, and just in case you're wondering, this is not some kind of abstract theology, but this is really the literal experience that God wants us to have as we remake our lives over for him in order to be more like him. I also want you to remember that our great high priest didn't come just to bridge the gap. Oh, Jesus is just bridging the gap. No, it's a lot more than that. Jesus came to die so that our sins might be forgiven. Without Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross for your sin and my sin, we would owe this huge, hopeless, unpayable debt to God. There's nothing that you and I could ever do that could ever make up for the wrongs or the sins that you and I have done. A great example in the Bible is that in Luke chapter 19 of Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus, a wee little man was he? 
Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was this pipsqueak shyster who swindled people. That was his way of life. That's how he lived. Then one day he shimmied down a sycamore tree in order to draw near to Jesus who was walking down the Jericho road. And Zacchaeus' life was never the same again. He was so changed and he was so convicted in his own life that he actually repaid the people that he had swindled four times the amount that he owed them. Jesus forgave the sins of Zacchaeus. We have those wonderful words. Today, salvation has come to this house. Several years ago, when the... uh, smaller uh, portable version of the Vietnam Wall was uh, traveling around the country. Uh, The country sort of witnessed this mass outpouring of emotion from our our Vietnam veterans. And one stop that the wall made was in Chicago. And TV news cameras had gathered there and they were asking the Vietnam vets why they had traveled long distances to come there and to march in the parade. Well, one uh, TV news camera crew approached a veteran who was standing in front of the wall and he's looking at the names of all those soldiers all those soldiers who did not come back home all those soldiers who lost their lives in battle and this news reporter kind of stuck the microphone right in front of the face of this vet and said well tell me tell me why you are here today this veteran looked right back into the eyes of that reporter he reached out with his finger and he began to trace the name of someone who was on that wall. He said, I'll tell you why. I came because this man right here, and the tears were now streaming down this soldier's face as he began to trace the name even faster, saying, I'm here because this man gave his life for me. Tracing that hero's name was almost like a kind of braille of which this veteran could could reach out and touch his friend. That was the end of the reporter's interview, but the camera kind of stayed on this big burly vet who is now at this point unashamedly sobbing in front of the camera, saying the words, he gave his life for me. He gave his life for me. You know, friends, you you and I are people who simply gather here week after week after week with tears in our eyes, and we say the same words that those vets, that vet said. Gave his life for me. Jesus gave his life for me. God's son gave his life for us on the cross. That's the reason why we're here. This is the reason we should be here. Really the reason why we have this season of Lent. Jesus' words this morning are a personal invitation to you and me. The words are, draw near. So my question to you, as I close, is what are you waiting for? Let us pray. Holy God, we do thank you for Jesus Christ, who has opened a new and living way into your presence. We know, if we're honest with ourselves, that we have no business being in your presence this morning. We don't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. Except for the fact that you want us here. And you want us here with you. 
Some of us have been afraid to even set one foot on the bridge. Others of us are, are about halfway across, but we're filled with anxieties and fears and doubts of what we will find beyond the veil. God, help us to walk with confidence into your presence. Let us draw near. Let us enjoy the full freedom of forgiveness that is offered to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Be with us now as we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, who also taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.